What's going on everybody? This is Carson, also known as Mets Fan from YouTube. You're listening to the official Mets Weekly Podcast hosted by four Mets fans who are brutally honest and don't hold back. Make sure to head over to our YouTube channel and follow us on TikTok for exclusive content on each platform. So with that being said, let's go Mets and enjoy the show. So 162 games of Mets baseball will begin this week, and that means it is time for us to make our official takes, whether they're hot takes or not, for the regular season. Episode 12 of the Mets Weekly Podcast. Welcome to 60 Minutes of Brutal Honesty. Now, before we begin, y'all know the drill. Subscribe to the Mets Weekly channel if you haven't already. Follow us on TikTok and Twitter to never miss extra content on each platform. I will be doing a two-part video coming out this week, so make sure to look out for that on the Mets Weekly channel. But other than that, follow us all individually. The links are in the description. So, less than a week away from Mets baseball, how are we feeling? Uh, the season's over because Edwin Diaz got injured during the WBC. So, season's over. Uh, we're all going to be yelling and screaming, and we're going to waste another year of, you know, Pete Alonso's one year closer to free agency to go sign with the Tigers. And yeah, so besides that, you know, baseball gives us something to talk about. You know, what low Mets. What's this year's low Mets moment? That's just kind of what we're waiting. Very positive. Yeah, I mean, once you get to late March, you're just waiting for it to officially start. I mean, the injuries already with the season not even beginning, it's concerning because it's something that we've talked about, you know, all offseason long, the lack of depth, the age in the starting rotation. But like we said last week, it's not even the super old guys that are hurt. It's everybody else. So, or in or just out, just not playing right now. Not everything was full on injury. You know, we had the circumstances with Quintana, but so they just got to work with what they have at this point because, as we know, the market, there isn't much else going on out there. I don't think there's any blockbuster trades right before the season begins. You got to work with what you have right now. So we're just ready to get it started with and let's see what happens. 162 games, like I just said. Long season, a lot of stuff that can transpire. It's still, it's been tough, I'd say, throughout this spring training. Lots of injuries, lots of unfortunate scenarios that has happened with this team so far but hopefully it stops there i doubt it but you know what just move on so i think we'll just start it off with the mets best hitter top of the lineup was pretty good last year pete alonzo of course having a great year leading the league in runs batted in francisco lindor with a great season in his first year of his contract year mcneil winning the batting title brandon nimmo having another great year Starling Marte being a huge contributor to the two-hole in the lineup. So there are some guys to pick from there, or there's somebody else you can add who's going to be our best hitter. But if they are, then we're probably going to be in trouble if they are our best hitter. <laughs> or, I mean, unless you have a big surprise and there's like a new addition, that might make a big difference. Sure. Maybe we'll be from the backstop. You never know. Because spring training, you know, means everything. And you know, one guy's been swinging a red hot bat, so it's got to be true. So I'm actually going to surprise you guys. It's not going to be who you think I'm going to pick. I'm actually going to go with Starling Marte. I want to go with Marte because I like the way he hits. I feel like, you know, even though there's a lot of ground balls and double plays, things like that, I do feel like there's quite an amount of line drives there where you do see him going to all fields, particularly with power. I mean, you'll see some of his home runs. They're dead center. They're right center. 
a lot of times Starry Marte is willing to go with the pitch. He's a guy that, you know, instead of a lot of these guys who are kind of take first or walk first, Marte's not looking to draw a walk. He's looking to swing the bat. He's looking to work some counts. And I just feel that he came up big for the Mets a lot. I mean, if you're your traditional batting average guy, he finished the year at 292. He was hovering around 300 for a while. Uh, if you're a WRC plus guy, 136. So that definitely is really solid. And I just feel like Starling Marte was also a guy that got a lot of the big hits. You think of, obviously, the walk-off against the Yankees. You think of that big series they had against the Dodgers at home. Marte was the guy doing a lot of the production. And you just saw a big disparity in the total lineup when he was hurt. It definitely was not the same offense. And that's what happens when you don't have a high-power offense. You need everybody contributing. But just felt like, you know, the mindset nowadays with new philosophies in baseball is you put your best hitter number two. And Marte was the guy batting number two for the majority of it. So maybe that kind of gives you some insight as to who Buck feels is the best hitter on the team. Because you would think, oh, maybe be Lindor. We've advocated for Pete Alonso, But Stanley Marte, you know, not only just the hitting, but when his health allows him to, the things he can do on the bases as well. He's just a big provider of offense for this team. So he's my choice. And even if he does have the ground ball problem, I mean, he kind of, it was, it was fixed a little bit compared to his, like, benchmark career but you know we'll, we'll see what happens i mean he's and who knows i mean I, and i i think now with no shifts like maybe ground balls aren't as bad i mean it's going to depend like it's a case-to-case -case basis but you know uh, there are other times where with his speed if he hits a weak ground ball a lot of times he's able to beat it out so i mean if you're a guy like vogelback who hits a ground ball i mean you're done for but a guy like Marte, some of these guys they could kind of make it work so that's why i really like watching he's a great player he really is i mean that's that's just overall and i just i just need the guy to stay healthy that's literally all i need if i can get 140 games from him this year i'm satisfied all right i'll go with the basic girl answer i'll go pete alonzo again he's the only guy that can consistently hit a baseball over 300 feet so that's a you know that's a that's a benefit he hits the ball over and you know we like the we like plock it out we like seeing guys going even though you know, not a clutch player. You know, we saw the WBC doing nothing. But, again, he's the only consistent power threat in this lineup. You've seen him. He's, he is the offense. So, if he's not the best hitter, God, Lord, what is this lineup? If he has a bad year or gets injured, God forbid, gets injured, what the hell does this offense look like? Because this is the entire team. This is the entire offense. And, you know, you can pencil in because he's very he's very durable. 40 and 100. You can almost guarantee that every year now. That's what he is. 35, 40 a year, 100 RBI. That's just the benchmark that is Pete Alonzo. And if it's not Pete Alonzo, Darren Ruff is going to have the best year at any. Again, like I said, outside of those top five of guys that I just mentioned, if we have them as their best hitter, let's say if we have Mark Canna as our best hitter overall, we're going to be in trouble. Much as I love Mark Canna, I mean, that's just how it is. Well, for me, I'm going to take the best hitter on the Mets. I think I've picked this guy, I think, multiple times, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go with Brandon Nimmo because he overall is the best hitter in terms of production. Just signed the big contract. This is going to be the first of eight years that he is here, and uh, I don't really see him slowing down anytime soon, maybe in the back end of that contract, but we're not really worrying about that right now. 29 years old, maybe we can see a little bit increase in the power, but he did have 16 last year, so you know, maybe we, we, we get to 18 this year, something like that. Uh, no one said Lindor. The batting champion. <laughs> no one said the batting champion. I don't know the regression of the gerbil is coming. We know. I think I think no. I think Frank realizes that there's no need for a guy like Jeff McNeil when you have you know greatness around him. I don't know about greatness. Andrew Nito and Ruff are going to bat back to back. Like there isn't that much greatness. Tomas Nito is raging right now. What are you talking? So let's get to the best starter. There's about two guys 
at the top that are the obvious answer. You can drink the Kool-Aid if you want with the number three in the rotation. Let's just stay with old reliable. It's Max Scherzer. You know, the guy's starting opening day. It's Mad Max. Even if he does get injured, you know, like, you know, he's probably going to have missed probably a month or two of it with some kind of or multiple like one week stints. You know what he is. Yes, the big blow up in the postseason. Well, obviously going to remember. But Max, the rest of the season was still Max Scherzer. And he's better than Justin Verlander. As good as Justin Verlander is, Max is better. So I'll stick with Mad Max. You know, you know Verlander's coming off to Cy Young, and we like Cy Youngs. Max, again, and also with Verlander coming over to the National League, has to learn a whole new group of players. So I'll take Max, who has been the veteran in the National League, over Justin Verlander. If we're going based off of numbers of how they finished the years last year, the answer is Verlander. But I'm actually going to go with Max Scherzer only because I think he's a safer answer since I haven't really seen what Justin Verlander does as a New York Met for the majority of the regular season. What I like about Max Scherzer is, you know, you call him Mad Max is that there's going to be scenarios where you're going to need a guy to go seven innings. I mean, we saw a lot of times those double headers where the Mets had the luxury of using their bullpen a lot in the first game because they knew in the second game, no matter what happens, Max Scherzer was going to give you most of the game. He was going to give you the six innings, the seven innings, and he was really just allow you to rest your bullpen. So I think now with Bassett gone, having another guy in here who has you know that mentality of, okay, I'm going to go over 100 pitches. I'm going to make sure we get deep into the game. That's what I want to have Scherzer. Verlander is capable of doing that, but I don't know if that's what the Mets are going to ask of him. I'm very curious to see how the Mets do approach Justin Verlander. You know, he had that great year. I can't imagine. If he has a better year than last year, awesome. But I think when you have a year as good as Justin Verlander did last year, it's hard to replicate that. I, I think, if anything, he'll be slightly worse than he was last year. And, again, I just don't know what he's going to be as a man. I mean, will they push him a lot with him being 40, or will they try to save him up knowing that, you know what, we don't want to lose these guys. We don't have that much depth, so maybe they'll take kind of safe with Verlander. Meanwhile, Max Scherzer is like, you could try to take me out, but I'm not coming out, you know, because I'm just a psycho and I want to keep pitching. Like, Max Scherzer is one of those guys that you don't take Max Scherzer out of the game. Max Scherzer takes himself out of the game. Like, that's his kind of personality. So, I mean, he's a guy you love to have when your team steps up in the big moments for the most part other than, you know, San Diego. But uh, Max Scherzer is my answer. I, I took this prediction way too lightly, and I'm going to continue to do it because we're talking about the regular season here. I picked Justin Verlander because overall, I think that he'll probably pitch a little bit better. I think he's just looked better so far. But you literally, it, you can't go wrong with either of them. The one thing that I really have with this whole situation is... Verlander and Max Scherzer, are you going to come through when I need you to? When you, when we have a game that is on the line and we need to win this game, are you going to come through for it? That's how I see it. Scherzer, we did not see that. The Braves game, the Padres game. Verlander, we did not really see pitch very well in the World Series. Pitch well in the postseason overall, not the best in the World Series. When we need you to have your A stuff, are you going to come through for him and that i don't know and that i'm not going to try and predict because i don't know if they are because these two first ballot hall of famers two of the greatest pitchers of all time but when we need you to come through are you going to come through for me that's all i have to say about the starters here especially at the top of the rotation two guys that you're paying 43 million dollars a year but other than that i mean you can only really flip between the two you can't really go wrong with either both of them have been aces for a long time in their career and uh, both on the older side, which makes us all anxious, but that's just how that works. So now that brings us to the Mets' best reliever this year. The easy answer 
will not be playing this year. There is pretty much a wide selection of who is going to be their best reliever. Some arms out there. Uh, Frank, I'll start with you. Best reliever? This one is a tough one when Edwin Diaz is not an option because he's such an easy answer. But um, I feel like it could be Brooks Rayleigh, but again, I don't know. Uh, because if we're going based off last year, it's like, sure, I could say Rayleigh, but I don't know what he's going to be as a menu, especially, you know, he had his injury or whatever, the hamstrings. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I hope he turns out to be like the best left-handed reliever in baseball. Adovino had an awesome season last year. I just think that, again, when it comes to relievers, it's hard to replicate that, especially at his advanced age. I just think relievers are so inconsistent, and especially a guy like Adovino, who wasn't coming off of a great year when the Mets signed him. I hope he does it again. I've, I've said all offseason, I don't think he's going to do it again. I think he will see some regression from Adovino. So I think the safest answer is David Robertson. I mean, he's a guy that's just been here for a long time, um, has gotten it done for a long time. How he'll you know be as a closer, we'll see. Uh, I, I wonder if the Mets are going to be like, okay, David Robinson's our closer. Are they going to alternate? Will it be Otto some days? Will it even be Brooks Raley some days? I, I'm curious to see. I guess that's something they're going to have to figure out as the year goes on since this was such a late development as far as making that decision. So I'll go with Robertson. I mean, I've stuck with him for a long time. I'm happy he's a Met. I think it's even better that he's a Met now considering the Diaz injury. At least we have another high leverage arm that wasn't here last year. So uh, that's what I'm going to go with. Brooks Raley. I mean – He's the best left-handed reliever in baseball. And I, you know what? Since this is all about hot takes, and this is about this predictions, he will have a better season than 2021, Aaron. It is going to be Brooks Ray. Wow. wow. That's a bold one. He will, ha- he will top the 2021 Aaron Loop and solidify himself clear-cut, better than Josh Ader, the best left-handed reliever in baseball. I need someone to take over from all these old guys. I'm sorry. I, I I can't have all these old guys just trudging along 60 innings all year. So this is more of a hope than a prediction, but I need Bryce Montes de Oca to be the best reliever. And I really hope that he is my closer by June. Start throwing and then he's going to get, you know, he's not going to be pitching until mid-May earliest. Okay. Well, Let's accept that challenge then. I mean, he has he has that stuff to be he does. one of those electric relievers in the game. So, you know, if he applies it, he can be very, very dominant at the major league level. Not- if his body doesn't break, he'll be fine. Well, listen, we didn't we didn't think Edwin Diaz's body would break, and here we are. So Well that that was that was slightly different. But I, I think that with Bryce, I mean, one of the things that makes his stuff so good is that insane or very crazy delivery. So I mean, that, that's the risk you run, I mean, with injury and having that kind of delivery. Like, you want the stuff, you're putting your body at risk. Your body isn't supposed to do that. So, it's always he's always a tough one to fully evaluate when that happens. A pitching motion is an irregular motion no matter what. I mean, you're just going to take oh, that sure, risk but, no matter what. I mean, but, it's really exaggerated. I, I don't need any of these old guys trudging along. I mean, they have the experience to do it, but... It's time to get the youth in here, out with the old and with the new right now. I would have picked Seth Lugo, which is usually like the every year pick for Frank, uh, even though he hasn't right. been good in three years. But he's not here anymore, so I- I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bryce. I-, I I need something new. I'm sorry. I and again, like I said with the hitters, if Drew Smith is your best reliever, you're in trouble. No, John Curtis. Nobody. Is there John, John Curtis? Curtis might actually. I'm I'm, I'm being dead ass because we've seen him pitch with Tampa Bay. He was great in Tampa. Don't be surprised if he's just, like, in the middle relief and just has a great season. Like, I wouldn't be that outlandish. He shows up in some high-leverage spots, and he just is like, oh, 
He's just most reliable. Yeah. Having him be that high leverage B squad reliever and actually be good. Because again, we've seen it in spring training. Just have a, you know, again, he is a good pitcher. So don't be surprised. Again, he's easily better than Drew Smith because Pooh Smith is dog shit. But, you know, there's the top guys, but don't be surprised if he. Occasionally, maybe as a couple months stretch where he just sneaks in the neck out. I mean, yeah, it is possible that John Curtis could be. I mean, he's he's definitely shown a lot of, I mean, quality throughout his like career so far. He's just coming back from an injury. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how many innings they give to John Curtis because he's probably going to be on that B squad of the bullpen. Maybe he does make the A squad now because Edwin Diaz is not here and he gets pushed yeah. down the the food chain or whatever. But We'll see how much they do rely on him. I'm actually interested to see so because coming off of injury, but he's definitely had a fantastic spring. So he could definitely be up there. And, you know, with without Edwin Diaz here, it's this question's pretty much up in the air. Like you, there's lots of answers that you can install here. And uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's Bryce, but that that's just me. So now someone who's being slept on going into opening day, the most underrated player, even though Mets fans love to hype up pretty much every single thing that breathes. It's a harder question because one, everybody's old. And especially with this fan base, everybody is Mike Trout and Jesus Christ as a child. So, you know, if he gets one hit, they're great. I'll go with Bryce Montes de Oka again. Everyone's been kind of giving the coon rod and, you know, John Curtis and yes, him being injured. People can now forget about him because, like you said, he does have that top flight closer ability. And now maybe people will forget about him because, again, the injuries have been the biggest problem. Let, let's say he starts throwing again, getting him back in the AAA games, let's say by mid-May. Uh, mid he comes up and everyone realize, forgets, oh, yeah, this guy's one of the nastiest relievers in baseball. He just His only problem is staying healthy or staying healthy. And if he comes up and it just shows the you know the stuff that we know he has and being that type flight guy, that's kind of the only option here. And just to, with Bryce Montez de Oka being potentially the closer of the future, even though Edwin Diaz is going to be here for four more seasons because we locked up a club. I'm going to go with Jeffrey McNeil. I think that uh, people like people know he's good, but they don't realize just how valuable he is to this particular Mets team because of his particular skill set. Uh, we've talked about a lot, outfield depth, fourth outfield, things like that. Of everybody in the infield, he's the only guy that goes out there and plays the outfield, plays the corner outfield spots. He's one of the only guys, not only guys, but he's a guy in this lineup where you can kind of bat him anywhere, and he will bat multiple spots in the order. He's going to bat leadoff sometimes, sometimes third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Maybe they'll experiment batting him ninth sometimes. But one thing that Jeff McNeil does that players don't do anymore is just hit the ball. Just put the ball in play. I mean, it seems like it should be something simple, but nowadays with the high strikeout rates, it's nice to have a guy who always puts bat on ball every time they're in the batter's box. He's a guy that he's going to give you 110% all the time, whether you're up by 10, down by 10. He's going to dive head first to first base. He's going to jump into the crowd. He's going to do whatever you need. He's not going to give you any problems. You were able to keep him on a long-term deal, really team-friendly deal, He's just an overall team player. You need good guys in the clubhouse. You need that good clubhouse chemistry. And uh, Jeff McNeil, he does it all. Other than hit home runs, everything else he does, and he does really well. Good defender, good hitter. He plays multiple positions. Whatever you need, he's got it. Do you want to start or should I? I grabbed a dinosaur because that was, you know, that take was as dead as dinosaurs. This was underrated. Jeff McNeil, we'll get to the most overrated in a second. 
This fan base thinks he's better than Mar Jose Altuve, Marcus Sim. They talk about this guy being the best second baseman in baseball. Who? Everyone. And including have, you, Mr. Mr. Franklin, about sports. What? You cannot put the words underrated and Jeff McNeil in a Mets perspective, especially yes. from Mets fans. Because he's obsolete in this era of baseball. That's why. This is about the home run ball. This guy's going to be batting fifth. I mean... Probably right. He's he's gonna be your fifth best out out of that top that top four, right? He's gonna protect Alonzo with the four home runs he hits every year. Again, I mean, because the other guys don't hit power, they're, they're forcing him to do something he doesn't. He's an ideal put the ball in play leadoff hitter. We already have our leadoff hitter for the next eight years. So what is yeah, he but doing they extended here? Let's be they real. extended him too though. But they extended him too. They extended McNeil and Nimmo. I mean, what was their other choice? I mean, Jet Williams is not going to be here for another three years. Well, let me fire right back. Omar Narvaez. This guy, I think a lot of people forget uh, that he actually has been a fairly good offensive player, especially as a catcher when you're comparing it in position-wise. I don't think that he's going to be a fantastic, amazing 2019 hitter that he was with the juice balls. I can guarantee you he'll be better than James McCann. I can guarantee you that. I am confident in that. I can put any money on that. Overall, as a player, he definitely will give you a lot of value, and there's a, re there's a reason why he got the contract that he got. And even though defensive catchers are very valuable, he also can swing a pretty good bat. As a nine-hole hitter, not bad. It's not bad as a nine-hole hitter. From what you see, from what he's been able to put up, it's not bad. Coming off of a tough season last year, injured half the year. We'll see what happens. I think I think that he's gonna. I think he's gonna turn some heads, especially Frank. Uh, listen, I hope so. I mean, I really do because they need something from the catching position that gives them offense. Like he'll be better than James McCann. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody will agree on that. No one's gonna fight that, but. Uh, again, we hope that we get the guy closer to who he was before last year, where he was hitting the home runs for Seattle, who was the all-star for Milwaukee. We just need something. Like, it, all I'm asking is average. If you could just give me average offense, we're good. Because we know he's great defensively. We just can't have where the guy is an automatic out, and they'd rather be bunting than having him swing the bat with runners on base. As long as we could avoid that, I'll take it. It's one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. You're going to get value no matter what from him, but we already have, one, but we already have one of the best catchers in, in defensive catchers in baseball. That's what I'm getting at is that like, I, I, I understand. I mean, look at what the, the Yankees value, did. But... They had two, they have two of the best defensive catchers in baseball and Higashioka and Trevino. Yeah, but right? Higashioka didn't get a two year deal with, Nevaeh's got again. Both of these guys are here for the next two years too. So and Trevino was an all-star. So was Narvaez. I think you're very capable of getting a 105 bat from Omar Narvaez. Like he projects fairly well from the nine hole. As a nine hole hitter, I'm saying that he's going to get yeah from the eight hole, the seven hole. If he's batting cleanup, you got a problem. He's definitely undervalued, especially with the whole fan base. We know how it is with the catcher position. Francisco Alvarez. Francisco Alvarez is my guy. We have all eyes on him. I mean, there's a good reason for that. He's the number one prospect in all of the all of the farm system, number three overall. But Omar Narvaez is no slouch. I can tell you that right now. Now let's start to hate someone who's not as good as they may seem, the most overrated player. And, and I want to specify before we go off the rails, overrated does not mean bad. So Darren Ruff is not overrated. He just sucks ass. It, it's Tommy Pham. I mean, there was legitimately, wait a second, wait a second. 
there were people that legitimately defended this signing, saying, oh, well, they need a fourth outfielder. They, he kills lefties. He's a lefty killer. Again, he's okay. Like, he's maybe average against lefties and awful against righties. So that makes him a lefty killer because he's slightly not as bad against lefties. He ain't good. I, I don't know, like, how many more weeks I have to say this, but it's just, like, the fact that the Mets did this and that people defended it, and the guy's going to play way more than I would like to. And I just think it, it's going to be brutal. I mean, so far, what we've seen hasn't been kind. Again, it, it's kind of Darren Ruff. There's an age you get to where the guy's not getting better. He's not going to have a bounce back year. He's not going to have a resurgence. It's over. It's done. And, and now he's a Met. Like, he, he's not going to go back to that guy he wants. So the fact that he's uh, has a guaranteed spot on this team, they gave him the $7 million, $8 million, whatever, that you could have just given a pro far. I mean, oh, my God. You literally could just give that to Jerks and pro far instead of getting freaking Tommy Pham. So it, he could only play left field. We've seen him at center. It's been a disaster. So he doesn't even really fit what the Mets need with the injury-prone Nemo. It, it, it didn't really fit what they needed. I kind of get it. I, I do get it in a certain way, but, like, I mean... Again, because everybody else sucks doesn't mean you should get him to. Uh, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't defend it. Because you've, organ you, because you've assembled your team that is very flawed and can't hit lefties, and because you totally botched the Darren Ruff thing does not mean you should sign Tommy Pham, too, because he's not a good overall player. Like, you should get good players. Not because everyone else is bad at one thing. You need to get someone who's kind of better at some at one particular thing. It's pointless. Because there's other things, like we said with the bench, there's other things that need to be covered that they just don't. I mean, we'll get to it later, maybe, with the whole maybe Vientos makes the team and Beatty doesn't. Like, come on now. It's just, I don't know. I just don't like the way they assemble the Ross. Six million dollars one year but like yeah no it yeah i mean again one year deal is fine but it could have been spent elsewhere i mean you could have got so much more value what profar settled for you could have got so much more value. or maybe you just get an incredible year from him and he's just trolling all of spring i mean who knows <laughs> all right i had an answer going into about yesterday you know, we, we saw it there's an answer that needs to be said and this isn't the channel the certain player gets a lot of shit on this channel from an other person. I usually am not in on this, just shitting on this poor man. But this fan base is driving me insane. And I'm watching some clips of, oh, this guy's better than Senga. This guy could be on the same level. I literally saw somebody say that this man could be on the same level as Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. And that is David Peterson. Like, he's a fit starter. And you got people saying he's elite. He's going to have this giant breakout season. Oh, his slider's elite. It's slightly above average. Oh, he's, you know, he's going to be this generation. No, he's a nice player. Again, keyword being over, that doesn't mean bad. I think he's a quality depth guy. He can be the four. He can be the five. Fine. The fact that there are people saying he's going to be more valuable and better than Kodai Senga is ridiculous. We know what David Peterson is. He's going to walk about four to five, three to four guys a game. He'll get into these rallies. There'll be games where he dominates the Nationals, just like Tywan Walker did. And we didn't give Tywan Walker the pass. But for some reason, this fan base, just like with Tywan Walker, they're going to give him the pass because, hey, you beat up on the Nationals. You're great. Like, no. Can he Does he have some nice outings? Yes. But does most of his outings end up being four innings, four walks, two strikeouts, and a bunch of fly balls. 
I think he can be very serviceable in the role he has. But the fact that there are people out there that say that this is going to be his breakout season and he's going to take the number three starter job, shut the fuck up. Like, he's not that good. He is serviceable. Again, he's good in his role. He is not the number three starter in his rotation. And if he ends up being the number three starter or higher, I don't think anybody on this in this podcast is going to make it through the season if he's turning into the opening day starter. So he's a nice player. He's a solid player. He is not an elite arm and is going to break out this season. Stop. He said it, not me. I didn't say anything. I said nothing. Most overrated player, and I think I'm going to just establish this in terms of the Mets front office, and I'm going to say Mark Vientos. I don't know how anybody doesn't see that he's literally just J.D. Davis. And I and I get I get it, it. It's kind of just like, oh, no defense. He hits the ball hard. Like, no, they're like identical. Like, they're the same person. I'm not saying that Mark Vientos is going to be J.D. Davis. I hope that he's J.D. Martinez. I hope that he becomes one of the best DHs in all of the game. But the fact that we're also hearing that he's more likely to make the roster over Brett Beatty, that's where the overrated tag comes in. And I am not really that big on Mark Vientos being here. The only reason why I would take Mark Vientos on this list and on this opening day roster is to get rid of Darren Ruff. That's literally the only reason I would do it. Other than that, Mark Vientos is best as good in starting off in AAA. Like, that's all I can say at this point in terms of Mark Vientos. I don't think that he is one of those key contributors in this lineup. I don't think he adjusts to major league pitching as well as people think he is to be in the center of this lineup, being the power protection for Pete Alonzo with multiple guys coming off of this bench and multiple guys on this roster, lack of versatility. He's a bat. That's it. And a very flawed bat. And I feel like I'm going to have the same frustrations that I had with J.D. Davis with Mark Vientos. J.D. Davis can't hit fastballs. Mark Vientos can't hit high-profile velocity and also breaking balls. So, like, I'm not trying to go through this again, but he's a prospect. They're going to obviously give him a chance. He's gonna, we're going to see him in the major leagues. But I don't think he's good enough to be on this opening day roster in the case of him being the right-handed DH. Is he good enough to be on this roster as to compare to Darren Ruff? Yes, but that's not really saying much. Well, let's get to another really tough one because breakout candidates, it's kind of hard because um, there's a lot of old people here who have already had their best and uh, don't think we're going to have even better than that best from a lot of these bats or whatever, but there, there are some guys who could turn up and 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 be a breakout candidate. Yeah, th this one is really tough because so many of these guys are older and we know what they're going to be. Again, like I said before, once you get to that age, you're not going to see like something brand new, like, wow, we, where'd this come from? Uh, since he is new to the Mets, a lot of these guys have been here already last year. I'm going to say John Curtis. I, I think that, you know, we talked about him already, but I think more and more fans are going to be like, wow, he's actually pretty solid. Like, I, I think people are going to realize that this was a very smart signing the Mets made last year doing the two-year deal. First year to heal up. Second year, he provides you some value. And if it does work out, I hope it's something they do more in the future where, like, even though it doesn't help you this year, just like I said earlier with, like, with Tommy Pham, just 
get good players. Like that that should be what their approach is. Just get quality guys. Even if it means you have to wait an extra year for them, at least they're going to give you production at some point and just help your team. So I hope that this is a trend of moves that they continue to make. Because like I said before, we see the Arnold organization do it, like the Dodgers do it all the time. They always get these pitchers, two-year deal, second year is where they really show up. So I hope that you know, people will see that like this was a really good move that's made. And, and don't forget, it was two years ago for this year to actually uh, take effect. 30 years old, entering the prime of a reliever's career. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. Um, so hopefully we can see a good you know, 50, 60 innings from him out of the bullpen, which would be awesome, especially with what we have lost in these last few weeks due to injury. Brett Beatty. The MVP Brett Beatty season. This is the breakout of Brett Beatty. He is the opening day third baseman. I don't care. Again, get the cats. John, John Hammond said no, but John Hammond, but John Hammond makes the roster. Judge going to the judge. John Hammond don't know nothing. Brett, get the cat. Put an Escobar's locker. You never see him again. He's going to be. At worst, you might have to wait two weeks into the season. He will be the opening day. Well, he'll be the third baseman of this team no later than May third. If he's still in AAA. By May 3rd, I'm flying up and punching Billy Epple. You cannot let – this is – you know, the lineup's the same. Brett Beatty is the only X factor in this lineup. If Brett Beatty can be Brett Beatty throughout his whole minor league career, he is not, you know, this generational power hitter, but he can give you a different part of this offense with some power with going the other way and lengthening this lineup. So, obviously, the breakout star this season. There's not many, but it has to be Brett Ethan Beatty. I do pretty well with this. I've done very well with breakout candidates uh, in the past. I'm actually putting up a winning streak here. What was last year? Last year was Trevor Williams. And what happened? And he left. He got paid. I'm going to pick Jeff Brigham because this is a two-pitch reliever that we know that this is kind of what is kind of being developed in this new pitching lab with Jeremy Hefner. I really like his slider as a bridge pitch. I really think it's very nice. Um, And he's a mid-90s hard thrower. He's had some success at the major league level so far but he hasn't really full-on put it all together one of the biggest problems with him was um hard contact and kind of missing some spots and keeping the ball in the air a little too much so far what we saw in spring training you can't even elevate the ball against this guy so i like what i've seen so far in spring from jeff brigham and i hope that he does translate into the regular season consider him for the a squad in the bullpen if you do have some injuries with some of these older guys in the back end now let's get to the most important and the most valuable the mvp who is going to be our best player are we going with hot takes are we going with star players what are we going with again you got to go with a grizzled vet here this has got to be a guy who's dependable who's playing every day who's go who is top three at his position a guy who's going to hit 25 plus homers this season who's going to steal 15 plus bases this season He's going to have about 46 RBIs because he's coming out of the leadoff spot. It's MVP Nemo. How is he going to steal 15 bases if he can't? Even, if he's so scared to even attempt one? What is the difference? He was trying to get paid. He wanted to. Get, he, he wants to be smart. He's Hollywood Rock. Why take extra bumps? He's MJF. Everyone's and look what happened. Every it was the bidding war of 2023. Man got paid. Now he can be as reckless as he wants. Now he can run like Speed Racer because he's got 187 million, 162 million. My bad. I had to get the exact number. $162 million in the bank account. Pete Alonzo. I mean, I, I think it's very obvious. We saw it in the playoffs. It just felt like nobody could get it done besides him. It, it just felt like he was the guy 
that was responsible for a majority of the Mets offense because you know what we talked about it Nemo gets on base at a high rate Marte gets on McNeil gets on Lindor gets on but you know if McNeil's hitting a single Nimble's getting a walk it's not gonna lead to runs I mean it'll lead to offense but as far as actually scoring runs someone needs those extra bases to actually bring those guys home when you're not stealing bases so that's why Pete Alonso steps up and really big in getting those guys home also the fact that no days off pretty much I mean the guy's gonna play just about the whole season and the other thing too is that when they bat not good hitters behind him they pitch around Pete Alonso because other teams know that he's the most dangerous player and the most valuable player. That's why they don't throw him strikes because they know he'll make them pay and, and probably lead the league in home runs, at least the national league. If he actually got thrown, if he had, they actually pitched him knowing that they can't just pitch around him. So uh, P Alonzo, he was huge for the Mets. It always just felt like he was the guy that had to step up when he was in a slump. You weren't going to get many runs scored, unfortunately. So he definitely was the MVP. If you asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said Edwin Diaz. I guess I'll go with the other Puerto Rican. Let's go with uh, Francisco Lindor. The five-tool threat coming off a great season in the first year of his actual contract that has started. You know, the adjustment to New York was, you know, a tough one. But, you know, I think he's pretty much locked in. He's, he's happy to be here for the next nine years. And... I'm excited to see it as well. It looks like the confidence is just at an all-time high with him. And, you know, if he's right, you know, he's he's your five to six win player every single year. You're going to get a lot of value out of him from every single aspect of the game. And that's what I'm expecting from him because, you know, that's what we paid him the big bucks for. Here's our final pick of players, which is our tradition. Studs and duds. One player that sucks. One player that's good throughout the last week this is our last studs and duds before the regular season yeah i mean it's not necessarily that i feel confident in this guy going into the season but i'll give it to tomas nito he's had uh you know a solid spring training <laughs> he had a solid week you know he had some extra base hits in there so he's got the good batting average so far so again i, I think that I mean, let's say if I was Tomas Nito and my manager was constantly asking me to bunt, that has to hurt the self-confidence. I mean, you, you would feel like, you know what, the coach doesn't have any faith in me. He doesn't even want me to swing the bag. He just wants me to bunt. So I think that Tomas Nito hitting well, hopefully he could build on it. It's the only way I look at it as Andrew. Um, stole mine, but I mean, one thing I can say about Nito, he looks like a completely different hitter. He doesn't have that shitty uppercut that we've seen throughout his entire career. I don't think that's going to sustain whatsoever because he's just Tomas Nito and you don't know what the, you know what you're going to expect from him. But you know, if he, we can get him hitting and we can get Narvaez both hitting by all means, go ahead. I have not watched a spring training game in about two and a half weeks. So I'm looking at Twitter highlights. Broad? Who I've seen a lot of Twitter highlights about is Max Scherzer. In Tropicana Field, that place is already in mid-season form. Got the, you know, the great, you know, had a lot of fans there as always. So, but 11 strikeouts, seven innings, or six and a half, six innings, seven innings, 11 strikeouts against the Rays. She's kind of there. You know, it's good to see him already ready to go. 100 pitches ready for opening day against Sandy. So, again, let's just be simple and a basic chick today. Let's go Max Scherzer. I had Tomas Nito. That was my original one. My backup was Max Scherzer. Thanks for that. I'm going to congratulate him on making the MLB roster. He's had a good spring. Let's go with Tommy Hunter. Why not? I don't expect really much from him. I don't think he's amazing, but he's a quality arm. He's done this for a while. He's a Buck Showalter guy. So that, you know, there's always that. He's a great guy. I, I like him as a person. He's 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 a cool guy. But 
Uh, I don't think he'll be here for long, but 36 years old, coming off of you know severe back surgery, you know it's quite the story. Get to the sucky people, who sucks. All right, this is an easy one. Tyler McGill. I mean, didn't even pitch this week. Didn't even pitch this he week. He pitched on Sunday. Yeah, on and Sunday. we recorded on Sunday. You had your chance. You blew it. Well, I feel like shitting on him. So. He blew a game, Probably even though it happened in last week's episode. Six runs, unacceptable. Five walks. How could you defend this, Carson? You kill David Pearson if he walks one batter, can't walk batter, say no to walks. This guy walked five guys and blew the game. I mean, that, that's unacceptable. If he wants to make the team and actually be in the rotation with all these injuries, you can't have performances like that. You need to step up in the big moments. So Step up in the big moments underneath the lights in Port St. Lucie. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to pick this guy, but Buck Showalter had to have quote of the week, and this quote definitely put this man dead. I know he had a double against the Braves, against Max Freed. No, we don't hit Max Freed well. It's Darren Ruff, and it's probably not even because of Darren Ruff. It's because of what Buck Showalter says. Well, Buck Showalter kind of is the dud of this week because he came <laughs> in front of the New York media and said, you know what? You guys don't see Darren Ruff in the backfield. That guy's out here mad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what? I was like, wait a minute. Correlation. You, you know, I'm, I suck in Major League Baseball, but, bro, if you see me versus my seven-year-old nephew, I'm just hitting pimp job fattest nukes, barrel and everything. Well, I had Darren Ruff too. You guys keep stealing my guys, but I'm also going to say Darren Ruff because it, it's it's worth saying twice, to be honest. I just want him gone. I really just do want him gone. And if that means putting Mark Vientos on the Major League roster, I definitely do it. I mean, I obviously want Mark Vientos and, you know, Brett Beatty there as well, replacing another certain third baseman, but I won't shit on him. I'll also say Darren Ruff because, I mean, it's worth saying twice. He's a dud and he fucking sucks. That brings us to our rapid fire stories. The Mets have released three minor league players, those players being first baseman slash outfielder Matt Winokur, catcher Jake Ortega, and left-handed pitcher Cam Opp. This week, Mets center fielder Brandon Nimmo has done hitting, fielding, and running work and is hoping to play in the last two games of spring training. Nimmo suffered a low-grain strain in his knee and ankle last week week. The Mets bench coach Eric Chavez commented on Brett Beatty's defense and had this to say. He's a big league third baseman. There's not even a question in my mind. Now it's just about proving it to himself. Chavez is one of the best defensive third basemen of the 2010s, accumulating 36 defensive runs saved in almost 12,000 career innings logged at third base. The Mets have optioned number one overall prospect Francisco Alvarez to AAA Syracuse to start the 2023 season. The 20 one year old power phenom says that he still wants to improve defensively and that starting off in AAA will give him the reps that he needs. Earlier this week, Mets starter Carlos Carrasco skipped his minor league start on Thursday due to elbow maintenance, which has been done in the past. Carrasco is expected to make his next minor league start, which will be on Wednesday, the day before opening day. The Mets have informed Tommy Hunter that he will be on the opening day roster. The 36 year old reliever had a great spring campaign and this move was definitely very much expected with hunter out of minor league option the mets have signed right-handed pitcher dylan bundy to a minor league deal bundy is 30 years old and has spent 2022 with the twins posting a 4.89 earned run average in 140 innings former met jed lowry has retired after a 
14-year career. Lowry signed a two-year, $20 million contract with the Mets in the 2019 offseason and proceeded to only have just nine plate appearances with the team in that contract span. Parting words for episode 12. The best time of the year. MLB The Show is launched. Opening day is in five days. You know, just good good vibes. You know, this team is going to win 100-plus games again. Not. But again, we're getting close. It's good for content. And again, it should be a very good team. And again, we'll see if Epler's right or see if we need to fire him and Buck after the season. No, I mean, it's time to actually react and rage about what's happening and not be like, oh, it's only spring training. All these games don't matter. You know, no more of that. It matters. Every game is crucial. Games in April is just as important as games in September. You know, you need every win when you're in a really tight division. It's going to be a tough year. I mean, with how good the Phillies are, the Braves, the Marlins are going to be annoying every game. I mean, even if the Mets do well, it's still going to be hard-fought wins. So it's definitely going to be a very uh, difficult year, exciting year. So we're just ready for it to get started. Stop getting injured. That's it. That's really all I have to say. Um, have a healthy season like we did last year, but I don't know if we're going to have that type of luck. It's already been falling into a shitty place already. Other than that, I'm happy that baseball is back. And uh, let's just start this season off great. And uh, hopefully we can just get hot at the right time and not run out of gas in September like we usually do. Other than that, thank you guys so much for watching episode 12, episode 13 next week. Thank you guys so much for watching, listening. For those of you, um, hit the subscribe button again. That's a thing to do. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Let's go Mets. Woohoo.